Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of Inside Texas and On3. And uh, this morning, we're brought to you by the Longhorn Wealth Management Group. So I want to thank them for sponsoring us. And guys, 38-6 win over Baylor, number three in the polls. Kansas on the horizon, Sark Presser at 11, busy day. What, what are y'all's thoughts from the weekend? You know, I spent some time. I, first of all, I think we need to go over Brandon Baker. Uh, that, that's the most recent news. Everybody that's a Longhorn fan probably watched the, the Longhorns game, but I don't think everybody's heard about Brandon Baker uh, and his pledge to the Longhorns. He committed uh, to Texas last night over uh, Ohio State, Nebraska, Oregon, Georgia, et cetera. Uh, guys, uh, big commitment, five-star. Jerry, you've been on this from the get-go. Uh, Texas has been there. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this pledge? Um. Yeah, I think it's a huge win for Texas. Look, he's an advanced guy in pass pro. He's going to have to continue to get stronger uh, like any offensive lineman in high school, uh, college football, power five level. But this is a recruitment that, you know, it started looking like Oregon um, was the uh, was a heavy favorite. Obviously, Adrian Clem leaves Oregon. His uh, Baker's brother played at Oregon. So that gave them a built-in advantage. He had been on that campus so many times throughout the years. But this really came down to Texas and Ohio State. And this is a recruitment that, look, before Sark and Flood came to Texas, Longhorns would have had no shot, zero shot. And that's how much things have changed on the offensive line uh, in recruiting. I think Kyle Flood's resume for development was huge here, along with the move to the SEC, Christian Jones being a senior. Yes, Sark has a long relationships in our day. Um Baker has family on the dad's side in the DFW area. The mom's side is the related to the Akana family. So there are a lot of things, a lot of boxes checked for Texas in this recruitment. Um, but I think the two biggest ones at the end of the day were Kyle Flood's resume for offensive line development and Texas's move into the SEC. I, I just think it's such a huge momentum. I, I wrote an article or a column this morning, Jerry, uh, on the Longhorns and uh, the reason it feels different right now is is than it has in years past. It's the first time Texas has been 4-0, first of all, since 2012. Yeah. Um, but the reason I think it feels different, we've dealt with one-hit wonders before, right? Uh, Mac went back and won the Alamo Bowl with David Ash. We thought that the, maybe the worm was uh, turning. Uh, Texas beats Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Again, we felt like maybe this was the impetus to change things. The reason this feels different right now, not only does Texas have a good team on the field, but they're recruiting like champs off of it. Yeah. And those two things to get together is what I called an inflection point this morning. And that's why I think that the news of a Brandon Baker committing, the idea that Texas leads right now, most likely for Kobe Black, the, the corner out of Waco Connolly. And um, Ryan Wingo. Ryan Wingo, the wide receiver out of St. Louis. Those are nationally recruited guys. Uh, that I just believe, uh, you know, Texas is moving in the right direction on multiple levels simultaneously. That creates a different trajectory for your program. It creates a sustainable program. Uh, look, Texas fans are are greedy. There's no and entitled. Don't not you should should not be ashamed of that. By the way, uh, that that's 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 what Texas wants to be, and that's the tradition of Texas. But to get there, you have to win on the field, and you have to keep the cupboard going uh, in the in the depth department. That's what Steve Sarkeesian is doing three years into this thing. 
That's why you wake up on Sunday morning, like Rod Baber said yesterday, and all of a sudden you're, what am I even worried about? I, I usually am worried on Sunday about, oh, they got to do this. They got to do that. This Sunday I wake up and I, I don't even know. It feels different because I don't have to worry. Things are, <laughs> things are going in the right direction on so many levels right now for the Longhorns. It's hard to, you know, you have to pinch yourself a little bit. Yeah, and Texas moves up to number 11 in the class rankings. I think that's well put, Bobby. Uh, moves up to number 11. And, uh, look, Texas is going to sign a third straight top 10 class. We've been saying that. The question is, are they going to get a third straight top five class? Now with Simmons and Brandon Baker in the boat, you know, it gets down to a couple more five stars out there. You mentioned them, Bobby. Uh, it's Ryan Wingo. It's Kobe Black. If Texas were to win out for both those, they're going to sign a third straight top five class because – We've already seen a couple of Texas commits rise in the rankings. I think Christian Clark, like you, will rise at the end of the day in the rankings now that he's back on the field getting healthy again. Uh, but then they're going to add more pieces uh, to this class as well. I mean, right now it's sitting at 18 commitments. I think Texas will go 23, maybe 24 if it falls perfectly. Uh, so if Texas wins a couple more of these five-star recruitments and signs 23, uh, I think they're going to sign a third straight top five class. And and. While we, whether you rank four or seven may not matter in the grand scheme of things necessarily, when we talk about all these guys going pro after this year on the Texas roster, um, when there's a chance you can bring in even more talented players than the ones you lost, I mean, then you're, start, you're starting to build something really special in recruiting and as a program. Somebody asked, somebody asked an interesting question. Um, uh, will Baker help with DeAndre Carter? DeAndre Carter, the four-star offensive guard, guard out of modern day, uh, he's scheduled to be in this weekend officially. He's committed to Auburn, picked Auburn over Texas and Michigan State. But this is his official visit to Texas this weekend. He committed prior to making an official visit. He'd been to Texas once in January for Junior Day. Um, and he's actually one of the ones that told Brandon Baker, hey, man, Texas, great visit. It was a great visit, great place. Uh, so that kind of helped get the ball rolling with Baker. It was already rolling a little bit. Uh, but DeAndre Carter scheduled to be in this weekend. I think uh, – uh, just for Texas fans wondering if Texas could flip him, they would definitely take him. Somebody asked about Josh Lair, who's committing uh, today. Uh, today, I mean, unless I unless I hear something differently, I think it's Washington. I just I'm, I think they push the hardest. All right, guys, and we got plenty of recruiting questions uh, as well. You got time to get your questions in, and then at eight thirty, we're going to have a special guest. But before we move on. Uh, first, I want to read this super chat here from John Campbell. He says, good afternoon from wow. Naples, Italy. I'm <laughs> in Texas polo, and I got a hook on from a random person at a cafe this morning. The reach of Texas knows no bounds. Well, thank you, John, for the super chat. We appreciate it. <laughs> a tough life you're living, John. Naples <laughs> sounds beautiful this time of year. <laughs> I've seen some. I saw Naples. I've seen a couple of orange counties this morning. I mean, I, I don't know if one of those orange counties is the Baker family. Um but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's those are some great spots. Um, a couple other questions here I want to address. Uh, UT boy, good morning. Uh, Weston Davis, we'll see what happens long term. See, see what happens, how the season plays out there. Um, I, I don't think Texas is in any, any rush with some of these guys. You know, they're going to let some of these recruitments play out. Uh, that includes Wardell Mack, Corey Gibson. Uh, so Texas will stay in contact with guys, play the long game in recruiting as Sark's been doing. Um, what are we about a hundred days out from signing day? A little bit less than that. So a long time and a lot of weekends still to come in recruiting. Uh, before we move on, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Yeah, we welcome uh, John Donovan, president of Longhorn Wealth Management, to our sponsors. Uh, in his more than 30 years of practice, John, a as a certified financial planner 
has been providing total wealth management services and solutions for his clients. John is a proud UT grad and has dedicated his firm to serving his fellow UT alumni and employees. September is Life Insurance Awareness Month, and Longhorn Wealth provides the best and independent life insurance offerings available to protect Longhorns and their families and businesses. So to learn how Longhorn Wealth can secure life insurance protection for you and your loved ones, give John a call at 972-707-4900 or visit longhornwealth.net. That's John Donovan, Longhorn Wealth Management Group. We appreciate his sponsorship. Okay, guys, before we get to the questions, as we do every Monday morning, let's talk about the Big 12 and what's happened around it. Oh, this should be great. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun this morning. So I'm going to just turn it over to whoever wants to go first to talk about whatever team they want to go first. Well, well let me let me start this off. Let me just go down the list of scores real quick. Uh, Iowa State over Oklahoma State, 34-27, and that was a huge win for Matt Campbell, a huge loss um, for Mike Gundy. Obviously, you had uh, Kansas beating BYU 38-27, which we'll get into. OU beat Cincinnati 20-6. U of H beat Sam Houston 38-7. Kansas State beat UCF without John Rees Plumley 44-31. TCU beat SMU uh, 34-17. So the Big 12 is, uh, has defeated the ACC, beating SMU twice to OU and TCU. And then finally, West Virginia 20, Texas Tech 13 and Texas 38, Baylor 6, Bobby. <laughs> Look, here's the reality right now. Um, what two teams do you think made the most stink, or actually three teams made the most stink about Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12? Which three teams? Just Tech number one. Okay. Tech inserted themselves into the conversation to make them one. All right, Tech, Baylor, Mac Rhodes, a little yep. sanctimonious about that, and then Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State. Mm -hmm. Fair? Agreed. Yeah. Tech and Baylor are both one and three. They are bringing up the rear in the Big 12 overall. And play this weekend for that spot. <laughs> oh, they play this weekend? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. My, my point being – Get your DVR sometimes, sometimes beware of what you wish for, you know? And look, I'm not I'm not here to sit here and say I told you so because I didn't. I didn't know Tech. I didn't know Baylor was going to lose to Texas State. Uh, I didn't know that Tech would go up and lose to Wyoming or to an undermanned uh, West Virginia squad. Um, at the same time, I mean, you you talk like that, and it puts a target on your back. And those schools too rarely have had targets on their back in their lifetimes. They've been the underdog, the upstart. You know, when you start talking like you're not in the and the whole conference runs through Lubbock or whatever the hell was said last year, it just it just rings hollow and it, it means it means much less. And so, look, uh, I don't I don't necessarily want to revel in that fact that they're having problems because that's not right. But it, it just goes to show you beware of what you wish for sometimes. That That's that's what I would say. Well, I mean, that even carried in over to recruiting the tweet when Micah Hudson committed by one of their in-house recruiting guys it was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. What did he say? Something about running the state and recruiting. It's oh. just like, I mean, it was just, it just furthers the point of 
Uh, just one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. A guy, a recruiting guy, put out on Twitter. It really was. It was idiotic. It's hype, hype, hype game only help uh, only works if you win in Lubbock, guys. The hype yeah. game doesn't work if you don't win. With a backup quarter, they beat a backup quarterback in overtime last year in in Lubbock. Just to, I'm just putting that up out there. Crazy. <laughs> All right, y'all. Let's go ahead and get to some questions. Uh, and we let, we got lots of recruiting questions rolling in. So let's just start there. And from Donald Skipper, he says, are Gibson and Robinson flip concerns to Florida, Jerry? Uh, you know, uh, look, Senator Baxter visited Florida State twice last year. Uh, you just got to let the recruiting process play out uh, for me. Um, here's, here's where things – two things. Um, Jordan Johnson rebel scheduled to be in Austin this weekend. I believe Jarrett Gibson is too. If Jarrett Gibson doesn't show up in Austin this weekend, maybe th then it gets a little more interesting. In the case of DeAndre Robinson, when Cedric Baxter visited FSU twice last year, Texas knew about it. He was up front with Texas and told them where recruiting gets sticky is if kids go on visits, uh, and don't, and aren't really up front with the people they are committed to. That's where recruiting gets a little sticky. So, um, we'll see. I mean, DeAndre was at Texas two weekends ago uh, for the Wyoming game. He was at Florida this last weekend, and um, uh, we'll, we'll see. If, if he makes his way back to Florida later this year and doesn't inform Texas about it, then I would think something is probably going to be up there. And this but, but, but here's the thing, too. The coaches know the score in the game. Texas had DeCorian Moore on campus two weeks ago. I mean, so the, all these coaches, they, they're, no, they're not caught off by surprise that schools are still recruiting guys they're committed to because Texas is doing the same thing. Where the, the Derek Gibson being recruited by Florida isn't surprising to Texas. He's a former Florida commitment whose family lives in Gainesville. He goes to IMG. That's not surprising to Texas. Again, where recruiting gets sticky is if visits and things happen and they don't and a prospect doesn't really tell tell the school they're committed to, then that causes some interesting conversations. And this next one is more of a comment from Lee Chadwell. Uh, he says, I hope Texas can flip the Jasper linebacker. Of course, talking about Anthony Smith. But what's the latest there? Yeah, just that uh, Texas, Texas would love to uh, have Ty Anthony Smith let them know that he wanted to uh, come to the University of Texas. We'll see. Again, I think Sark, one thing we know is Sark's going to play a long game here. They have their group of targets. They haven't really moved off of those. Um, and there will be a couple of guys come up senior season here. Uh, for Texas, but right now they're on their their A list of targets. Ty Anthony Smith was one of those guys. Um, uh, they've remained in contact with him. Would it be surprising to see him show up on Texas campus at some point this year? It wouldn't surprise me. Obviously, AM's fighting as hard as they can uh, to keep those guys, especially in the Golden Triangle, committed because they have three really good players down there. And then we have a question from Cinco de Mayor: uh, Is Texas targeting any other defensive line prospects as part of this class? Um, there's nothing that I'll, I can publicly say on that right now. If that helps. <laughs> Jerry, I love you, buddy. <laughs> well, let's move everybody on. just everybody's jaws just went what? Uh. <laughs> no doubt about oh, it. All right, our Charnel says, "What's it going to take for Wingo and Black to back off their timelines?" 
I think they already are. I mean, these guys, um, these guys were originally going to be December decisions, and neither one of these guys are going to go December. It's whatever it was Monday, September twenty fifth. That's a long way until December eighteenth. Um, I, I don't think either either of these guys go that far into the process. I think everybody's in their own lanes in recruiting. Um, but I mean, we can go. Well, he'll be at Colorado this weekend. Um, see if Colorado can bounce back. But I think I, I'll be shocked if if. Ryan Wingo doesn't wear a jersey with an SEC logo on it in college. That would surprise me. I think this is still Missouri, Texas. I think Texas is in a good spot. I think Kobe Black, Texas remains in a really good spot with him. Uh, and, and we'll just have to see how long these play out into October. But I don't think – I don't see December. All right, guys. Last recruiting question for now. We're going to use this to transition to more of team uh, questions here. But from Helio Castillo says – well, Derek Williams playing more snaps with Derek Williams playing more snaps, does that help with corner or safety recruiting? I, I think recruiting is already going tremendous. But I, to your point, um, and we talked about this last night, Bobby, uh, with Rod, is the more of these freshmen that play early, the more in positive impact it has for Texas in recruiting. And it's impactful for Texas because these are freshmen playing on a number three ranked team in the country. If you're playing on a three and nine team, uh, somewhere else or a five and seven team in Lubbock, it doesn't carry the same appeal, right? You're playing on a number three ranked team that beat Alabama. And you've had, since Sark's taken over here, you've had Kelvin Banks start at left tackle all year. Cole Hudson was a 13 game starter as a true freshman. Those things help an offensive line recruiting for sure. That's impactful with Brandon Baker's decision on some level, plus the player development and Texas moving to the SEC. Then you have Anthony Hill playing a key role. Cedric Baxter walked in and started um as a at freshman alabama. at alabama in the alabama game great point bobby anthony hill huge plays at alabama uh Derek williams is going to play more and more manny muhammad's making plays on the field uh so yeah it's all impactful in recruiting there's nothing that sells recruiting better than here's our young guys playing key roles oh and by the way they're on a team that's ranked top five in the country and by the way we're gonna have 10 guys drafted that they're competing with every day Iron sharpens iron was a comment uh, that was made yesterday, and I think it's it it, it uh, is appropriate, right, Jerry? Is you want yep. every single class to come in with a couple of dudes, right, and then everybody yep. else to be fighting for their spot, and that makes for for a better team. Um, and uh, I think that right or wrong, that's what Steve Sarkeesian's got developed right now. Uh, I, I am just so impressed with you mentioned player development. Think about Tavondre Sweat. I mean, yes. he's playing himself into a, a potential first-round pick right now, guys. I mean, would you have thought that two years ago? No way. Um, I, look, you look across the group, uh, they've just done a, a, a tremendous job. Uh, Jatavian Sanders, uh, I think back to his freshman year, Jerry, when he was looked lazy, a little lack of, lack of focus. All of a sudden, he gets into the, the program, and, and three months later, he starts coming out like, He's going to be a, a, a great player, and he has a good sophomore year and continues that trajectory. Jalen Ford now looks like a mid-round draft pick at the very least. Um, I, I'm I'm just impressed because the more you talk about it, the more success you're seeing with Texas, not just in the young guys uh, like Derek Williams getting time, but also in the older guys. And so when Jerry talks about the NFL draft, that's going to have such a big impact people don't even realize yet yep. um, because a, a, a marquee name like Texas having eight to 10 people drafted 
will absolutely draw the attention of the entire country from a recruiting perspective. Uh, that means from Chicago to L.A. to Seattle to, you know, Miami, it doesn't matter because all of those guys want one thing. They want to get to the NFL and yeah. Texas would be one of the places that they can make that happen. It's just uh, a fact. And that's what Steve Sarkeesian's done through player development and player acquisition. Because guys like A.D. Mitchell is going to be one of those. Quinn Ewers, player acquisition, came through the portal. Probably one of those. Yeah. All right. So that question was about uh, Derek Williams. So let's talk about the secondary for a minute. Don McWilliams says, I heard y'all talking about the defense last night. I'm very worried about our secondary going through the rest of the season. They look like our biggest weakness. What do y'all think? Uh, yeah, I, I think here's the here's the thing for me is if an offensive line can give an opponent an, a quarterback enough time, then yeah, I think you can attack the Texas safeties from hash to boundary. Um, but the key is you have to have enough time to let those plays develop. Um, so that that's that that's the one thing. And obviously, Ryan Watts, you know, look, you're a corner. If you're going to play up, sometimes you're going to get beat, right? And, and Ryan Watts is not a turn and chase corner. That's not his strength. Uh, but I, you're going to see more teams attack the Texas safeties in coverage than anywhere else. Um, and that's going to be the key. But those are longer developing plays to really attack them how you want to. So you have to max protect or you have to have great pass protection in general. Uh, to allow those plays to happen. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to Bobby to see kind of what Kansas does against Texas. I watched some of their BYU game. You know, they ran X backside slant off RPO. They run some in theater and pistol. They're going to throw everything at you. Um, one area they didn't really attack, at least against BYU, is that area that other teams have attacked Texas in. So it'll be interesting to see what, what Kansas does. I mean, obviously they have a mobile quarterback, um, but – I'm interested to see if Kansas offensive line gives him enough time to make those throws down the field on schedule. Yeah, I, I think I, I like you, Jerry. I watched the game. I watched the Kansas game. Uh, they their quarterback is very good. I mean, just a solid player, uh, good guy overall. It looks like team leader, etc. Um, he's not. He doesn't have a gun. Like he's not. Like right. Sawyer Robertson has a really strong arm, right? He doesn't have that. What he does have is a lot of moxie, yep. uh, a lot of leadership, and a lot of athleticism. Um, and I think he has a good feel for the game to add to that, right? I think he does too. Yeah. 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 And so that's the question. Are are is Texas going to be able to disrupt the game with their defensive front? I think that will be maybe the telltale sign. Uh, one thing I would say, I mean, the opposing teams right now are running more plays than the Longhorns, period. I think Baylor ran 79 or 80, while Texas just ran 59 on Saturday night. Now, Texas is scoring quickly, right? Um, and that's part of it. But that, even with the depth that Texas has, it's one of the reasons why depth is so important. Uh, that can wear on a team. And Kansas is going to try to possess the ball a little bit more than, than most teams would. All right, y'all. Before we move on, we got our special guest here. But before we do that, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody about Homefield Apparel. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Homefield is a premium college apparel brand based in the good old USA. They emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. 
They feature a growing collection of more than 150 colleges to choose from, including, of course, the University of Texas. Homefield designs are unique because they delve into the archives and, and history of each school using unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel. They are all about authenticity and nostalgia. Make sure you check them out, homefieldapparel.com. I personally like the Roaring Bevo. Uh, when I was in school at Texas in the late 80s, early 90s, that was kind of the alternative logo that I liked. So I got one in gray for both me and my son. I'm telling you guys, give their site a look. It's not the typical UT gear you usually see. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com where you can view their selection of colleges available in Longhorn gear. And guess what? Our listeners get 15% off their first order with discount code ONTEXAS23. That's right. Use discount code ONTEXAS23. It's the perfect apparel to get you ready for the upcoming season. So check them out, homefieldapparel.com. All right, guys. And with that said, let's go ahead and bring him in. And I'm going to move him over here and go to the bottom. So, Bobby, I'm going to let you introduce him since I'm hidden right now. <laughs> hey, this is former Longhorn linebacker Diamante Tucker Dorsey. He's joining us uh, from his office so, over there. I know where your office out of, uh, Diamante, uh, uh, Keller Williams guy. Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, Diamante, I appreciate you joining us, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys having me. You guys call me tough. <laughs> hey, you've been keeping up with the Longhorns this year. Uh, Jalen Ford is a guy that you used to run next to. Uh, what do you think so far of Jalen's performance and the defense overall? Um, loving it, man. Uh, I don't know how he keep getting so many interceptions. I text him. I'm like, bro, what? How you keep doing that? Uh, so really uh, excited about the season and how they've been able to kind of bring it all together. And uh, that rotation is crazy. I think that's what separates us. And uh, it, it really has benefited us to be able to keep so many bodies out there that's fresh and uh, get a, a, a lot of production out of a lot of guys. So that's been really huge. Hey, coming from uh, uh, transferring into Texas, obviously, uh, being from the state of Virginia, um, when you came into Texas, how much did you know about Sark and the program truly and what are your thoughts on Sark's been, been big on culture? And so I love a question like this for you, Tuck, because you've mm -hmm. played at two different places. So you've uh, seen two different places. What are your thoughts on what Sark's done uh, from a culture standpoint? And what did you learn about Sark that you didn't know before you came to Texas? Well, I had, I'm not really like a huge college football guy. I wasn't until I got here and I played at the FCS level. So I really didn't watch too much. Um, but as far as the culture goes, it was definitely one of the first things that I noticed that, you know, needed to kind of be worked on. And uh, just, you know, talking to the guys from the previous year and how that went, um, I could tell that there was steps being taken to, you know, kind of correct that. And I was thinking about this earlier this morning. Um, when, you in, when you inherit a new program and you're inheriting a bad program, um, you got to give them time to kind of get that thing going. And I think in the third year is going to be a, a good year to actually judge a coach based on, um, you know, <clears throat> how what, what he's been able, supposed to be able to produce by now. And um, I think Sark really has instilled that culture in the, into the locker room, into the, uh, you know, to the staff, that's the support staff that's around. So I think everybody's on the same page. And um, that's what it takes, you know, coming from a program that I came from. Uh, we played at an elite level. Uh, all five of my years that I was there, and um, culture was literally the reason, and still the reason that they went now. Um, my little brother, they play there. Uh, he still he plays there now. He tells me like 
culture is everything. So the fact that we, you know, kind of corrected that because Texas never had a talent problem. It was always about getting the right guys in there and getting everybody to be on the same page, to buy in. Um, and once you do that, now you kind of see the product, and it's been uh, amazing to see. You I know you only had one year with uh, Jeff Choate. Yeah. Um, but his development at linebacker position at Texas has been very impressive. So for the Texas fans out there listening to you, and there's hundreds of them right now, what kind of Jeff Choate, what makes him such a good coach to you, even though you only had a year with him? Um, I think because he doesn't necessarily – it's going to sound weird, but he doesn't really focus too much on football, if that makes sense. Like he's very – he he's easy to, to follow and, and he's easy to connect with because he tries to teach us – uh, he tried to teach us how to be men, you know, not just football players. And I think that kind of built a relationship to where you want to play for a guy like that. And um, he's easy going. Uh, he'll he'll get on you when you mess up. But at the same time, he's very supportive. And um, like I said, he really trying to teach you, how, help you how to grow on and off the field. And I think that's what, um, you know, makes guys want to go out there and play for him. You mentioned the changing culture. Uh, you were part of that, to be fair. Uh, yeah. you, you helped uh, usher that in last year. They went from five and seven to eight and five. Uh, and Tuck, I, my my question there is, uh, what creates that that buy-in? Is it internal? Sark always talks about having a player-led team, but Texas has talked about having player-led teams before, <laughs> and it didn't it didn't pan out. So, what what is the actual difference there? Um, I mean, everybody says the same thing, you know, player-led or culture this culture that but it's all actually about the buy-in like who's actually willing to do the work who's actually willing to sacrifice and uh you know put the team first and once you get guys to actually believe in that which is uh it's easier said than done obviously because every team in the country says that right um but when you you have a mixture of talent and you have that mixture of buy-in um it's, it's really no limit to what you can do so i think just actually three years of you know recruiting <clears throat> to how they want to recruit the players that they want exactly. And then once you get this kind of the structure set in, it's easy for guys to just, you know, flow into that. And then it's not like a, it's more of an adaptive thing than learning. So once you get it going a little bit, now everybody that's at it, they just flow right into it and it kind of comes together like that. Hey, Tuck, you, uh, lined up behind some really talented defensive linemen, right? And and yeah. those guys are knowns, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, those guys. But I want to say from a player development standpoint, which which we think is a strength of Sark and the staff, Ethan Burke, guys like that have taken a big jump this year. Jamon Tapp's now starting to get some time on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see anything from some of those last year? I know you're concentrated on, on you and your position. Did you see anything from some of those young edge guys last year, even a Chris Ross who got hurt, that you said you could see this coming? Uh, yeah, I think they was, you know, in that position for a reason. It was this. I think this just last year they had less expectations. So, um, like I went to the spring game and I was in the locker room talking to the guys and I've been to the games uh, this year and they just was like, they had to grow up really fast uh, because after we left, like last year's class, it was a lot of guys that left. So a lot of opportunity was there and uh, much more was expected of them. So they kind of had to adjust to that. And uh, I think that was really the, the, the piece, but of course, obviously last year, I feel like they could have made some plays, but it was like not really expected of them. So they wasn't conducting themselves all the way. Uh, you know, the right way. But once it kind of got more on that plate, it was like, okay, I have an opportunity here. Let me take advantage of it. 
I've got a question for you from uh, one of our viewers here, Tuck, and it's from Champ Bailey 3. Of course, OU is next week, obviously, but he wants to know how your uh, Red River experience was. Best game to be a part of? Yeah, what yeah. in the program, says Champ Bailey 3. What were your thoughts on that Texas OU game? Uh, yeah, that was actually the best, like, atmosphere I ever played in. I was actually kind of mad that we won so much by so much because the atmosphere was so crazy. But once we started blowing them out, it kind of, you know, uh, wind it down. But, nah, that was an amazing experience. Just coming out and seeing both sides split. Game never really got quiet. It was crazy. It was definitely the best environment I ever played in. <laughs> I, I, got a question. I, talk, I got a question. I got a recruiting question for you. Yeah. As Texas moves into the SEC – Virginia has always been a state that Texas hasn't really recruited at the high school level, right? Yeah. Could you see kids from the 757 or in the state of Virginia? Could you see those kids having real interest in Texas as this program builds? Are you crazy? Of course. Yeah, well, well, I, I, talk, I asked before the guys go to Penn State and Ohio State and Notre Dame from there. I mean, if, if when Texas is going to the SEC, I don't feel like – I don't know. I don't know if it's ever came up, honestly. But with Texas going to the SEC and then, like, me building that kind of the pipeline, everybody yeah. seen it. It was, like, a big, huge thing. They would definitely go there, and I would love to be a part of, you know, kind of bridging that gap yeah. uh, if, if possible. Uh, yeah, no, nah, they'll love it. <laughs> they, they like, they like uh, football in the 757. Newport News. Yeah. Uh, goodness gracious, just a lot of great players. Like Michael Vicks from that area. Yeah. A number yeah. of uh, tremendous players. I think – you know, I, I look at this and, and I see someone that comes from a, an area outside the state of Texas. But, Tuck, you've embraced the state of Texas. Yeah. You're making your home here now locally as well. Mm -hmm. uh, started your own business as a, as a real estate agent. Uh, tell folks a little bit about why you're staying in Austin uh, instead of heading back uh, to where you're from. Uh, Austin for me is kind of like. Well, it's kind of like my first home. You know, when I grew up, I, didn't, I when I grew up, I didn't really have a, ch a choice of where I lived at. Um, so coming to Austin, I, I get a lot of support from the community, have a great support system here as well. And uh, the University of Texas took care of me, so I, I want to give back in that way as well. And uh, I feel like, it's, like I said, opportunity here is through the roof. Um, it's a growing city. And uh, the people are much nicer here. <laughs> 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 yeah, but um, I feel like this place is somewhere where I can, you know, come kind of build a foundation for myself and, uh, you know, maybe a family down the road. But um, it's a really great community. Like I said, people take care of me here and people are much nicer. I can have a lot of conversations and uh, there's a lot of people to meet, a lot of things to do. Austin is it's interesting, but uh, it's a little different from where I'm from. Uh, but I love it here and uh, wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Otherwise, I would be. Last question. We got to ask you about Kansas. You played against Kansas last year. Yeah. I know a lot at you formation wise, right? Mm -hmm. um, what is it you kind of look at? What are going to be the key Texas defensively against Kansas Saturday? Um, see, I think that's where people get confused and why some teams lose games like this. Um, you don't want to really focus on them. You just want to focus on doing what you do best and kind of sticking to the game plan that's got you to where you are. Um, you know, so they're going to do a lot of formational, you know, pre-snap stuff. But at the end of the day, football is is simple. Like, the concepts are always going to be the same. They're just going to show you a different presentation. So, as long as you can get that final presentation down and understand and know your assignment and do your assignment at a high level, you'll be fine. Uh, but, yeah, don't want to focus too much on what they're doing. Focus on us, be us, and continue to do what we've been doing, and uh, they'll be fine. Got it. 
Thanks, man. You're really good, Tuck. I appreciate you. Good luck and everything you're doing, okay? Thank you, guys. All right. You have a good one now. That's yes, the Diamante Tucker Dorsey, uh, former Longhorn linebacker, uh, now in private business, uh, working for Keller Williams. Uh, in uh, those guys over there, the realty company. Uh, Blake, uh, Jerry, good, good guest to have on on a Monday morning, I think, because he's got that recent experience with yes. KU and that offense. That was a great last question, I thought, Jerry. Yeah, it was great. I, and I thought his answer was so interesting, right? Because um, th- that, I think, is kind of while you prepare for all of this, well, you prepare for all the eye candy, all the formations, because Kansas may throw more at you than Sark throws at you, right? Uh, pre-snap and just looks and uh, things you have to prepare for. I thought what Tuck said is, was so important, especially this week, because I'll say this. This is this season's fallen in line for Sark really well. Um, Rice game didn't play up to the expectation, then you're going to Bama. Home for Wyoming didn't play up to the expectation, then you're going to Baylor. This week, what's Sark's message? Hey, guys, we haven't played a great home game yet. We need to concentrate on us. Last week's win can't affect this week's performance. So up really well from a coaching standpoint for Sark. And this week, he gets to sit there and tell this team, time to what Tuck said, we need to worry about us. We have not played up to our, to our capabilities at home. I want to see this team go out and play up to our capabilities at home. We'll get you prepared for this game, but go play your capabilities like you have on the road, but you haven't at home this year. Because the reality, Bobby and Blake, next week, you don't need a speech. You don't need anything next week, okay? This week, it's all about, hey, I want to see us play against Kansas at home the same way we've played on the road. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Definitely. All right, guys. Before we move on, we got some super chats that we got to knock out that I've been meaning to get to. So my apologies on that. Uh, Terrell Hennigan has a prediction. He says after Arch or Arch's first game will be after the bye week at Houston. He's in there. <laughs> we thought he might get a chance on uh, Saturday night, but uh, you know, look, I, I have no problems with with the quarterback rotation or what they've done thus far uh, on that side of the ball. Uh, they wanted to get one more score in the fourth quarter, I thought. Left Quinn Ewers in there. Quinn did a good job, got him down there in scoring position, and Burt Auburn just flubbed the field goal. Uh, and Jake Majors had a, a false start on third and one. So, or fourth and one. Uh, so, my point uh, or my thought there is, guys, uh, I I think we're going to see Arch Manning at some point this year. Uh, not exactly sure when. 
And then this next super chat from Damon Raybone, and he says, uh, Baylor ran so many plays because we muffed so many punts. The correct well, uh, that's the defense for up. Hey, he's right. Yeah. He's absolutely he's right. right. It made it made their three play drives six play drives. <laughs> they had a few three and outs in there, guys, on both <laughs> or seven play drives because they failed on fourth down a couple times. They and were then, one of five on fourth downs, I believe. Yeah. You're, you're right on that one. Uh, then he has another one that says yeah. UT is a five-and-a-half-point favorite for against Oklahoma. Hammer it while you can. OU is fake. Bobby's kind of reluctantly shaking his hey, head here. I've been around too many years now. <laughs> Don't. It doesn't matter whether OU's fake, Texas is fake, or whatever in that game. I, you, I, I literally I believe this in my core. Throw the records out when those two teams play. I'm just I've seen it too many times. You know, I, I know I know what I'm talking about, man. I, I saw Texas beat OU four times in a row with lesser talent all four times. It, it just I mean, I I am not that guy that's gonna sit here and say go bet that game because uh anybody that thinks that that's the way that works, I just don't agree. I just don't. I wish it worked that way because this year it would favor Texas, but you know. I don't see that, that, that game that game for Oklahoma is so massive this year it's, because it's they got smoked last year. That I mean they, they got uh, that what happened to them last year is what happened to Mac Brown. I absolutely and Brent Venables field embarrassed last year. And Brent Venables needs a signature win right now. Yeah. Let, let's be clear. And the only way he gets that is Texas. He doesn't get a signature win against Kansas State. Right or whoever, the only signature win on Brent Brent Venable's possibility this year, unless it's a bowl game, is Texas in the regular season. Yeah, their their schedule's horrible. Yeah, exactly. So what? How else is he going to prove to people that he's really turning Oklahoma? Yeah, the only way is to beat Texas. Uh, we're going to get back to the Baylor game with the super chat. Last one, Guy McPhail says, uh, "How would you grade the officiating against Baylor?" And thank you, Guy and uh, Damon for for the super chats. My smart ass answer says, "Great, Texas one thirty eight six. But uh, I didn't see anything egregious. Did I miss anything egregious out there? There were there was a spot of Sawyer Robertson one time on a on a on a uh, on a uh, run. That he was out of bounds at the twelve, and they give him a, the ball at the ten, uh, and a first down. Uh, but other than that, I didn't see anything egregious. I like the pace of play. Personally, there were not a lot of stoppages. Like one of the things that I get irritated by, you have a team that makes a big play, and it's a, you can tell clearly that it's a catch, and then the officials want to sit there and review it for three minutes, and it, it just it just changes the. Uh, momentum and the the time of the game. I thought that this ref crew did actually a, a a good job in that regard. They let the game play on and didn't over review things. Uh, Michael Ortiz asked if Ethan Burke's okay. Ethan Burke did play Saturday against Baylor. It was interesting. He lined up in a three and four point stance a little bit early in that game. Then as that game moved on, they got him back in that two point stance, that standing a standing starter stance. I think that's definitely where he's best uh, right now. Next year, this time, I think in the three-point stance, he's going to be he's going to be even better, Clark. Hey, I want to say this on Ethan Burke and Dave Aranda mentioned this in his posting press conference. They were really planning. Ethan Burke and Baron Sorrell want, lined up wider than they anticipated. 
than Baylor thought they were going to because Baylor likes to run outside zone, right? Well, Baylor then said, okay, if they're going to line up like that, then we're going to try to run it inside. Tavondre Sweat, uh, Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, uh, Trill Carter played a lot on Saturday. That was his most, most steps he's played as a Longhorn. They were having none of that. So Baylor's run game was just, I mean, they Baylor trying to make it work through the air was never going to happen in this game. And that's what they were relegated to trying to do. We had a, uh, you know, talking about Burke. Now we have a question about his high school counterpart. He says, that David Rawls asks, is Vosick still hurt? Was hoping to see him in four games like Walton. I, I don't have anything new on that, uh, Bobby. I don't know if you do. No, I, I, he's still, he was, he was banged up in preseason. We talked about it here. Uh, I think they're trying to get him healthy, Jerry. Yeah. Uh, it may be a situation where he's not, he's clearly not ahead of, uh, of Jamon Tapp uh, and or Justice Finkley. So why rush the situation if you've got four to five deep right now and can add even Billy Walton in there sometimes as that overhang player. So, so uh, as sharpshooter brought up, talk about tap. That dude has some serious power and spring in those legs. Absolutely. On Jamon tap. Here's going to be a thing to watch on tap moving forward. It's going to be discipline at the position. He has a, a ton of athletic talent now. I mean, um, I, I sound like a broken record, but that 2022 class was ranked number five in the in the country. Dre Bledsoe and Tap were two of the guys with as, about as much upside as any, but they were also had the farthest to go to maximize their ceilings. That was both physically and technically. Uh, so you're, you're going to see some flashes from those guys this year. I say wait for next year to see the next two years the type of players those guys can become. But what I like about Tap, Bobby, is – you know, Chris Ross is ahead of him. I don't want to say tapped out. I mean, that's kind of a dumb thing to say when his name's Jamon Tap. But some guys would have tapped out. Some guys would have been looking for the portal, right? They 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 wouldn't have been in. They wouldn't have been bought in. Uh, Jamon Tap's coming out there and playing with purpose, and he's going to make some mistakes. But I can handle mistakes for a guy that's playing as hard. Well, what I would say to that, Jerry, and the, the element that that's important to me, some guys like Jamon Tap need to smell a little blood in the water, yeah. right? They need that. They're the shark. They need to smell the blood in the water that really lights their fire a little bit. And I think you can see that happening for him as a young player. Um, and that will hopefully lead to a better player. I want to say this. You mentioned Bledsoe and Tap. Um, Jure Bledsoe, you can tell, is a year away in the weight room, a true yep. year away in the weight room from being an Alfred Collins type of disruptor. Yeah, he's got the arms. He's got the quickness. He's even quicker than Alfred, I think. Um, and he's got he's going to have the size. If he gets just a little bit more strength, he's going to be. I mean, we look towards next year in the big in the SEC. That's going to be a big one for the Longhorns, in my opinion. His development in the next twelve months will mean a lot in the SEC. Uh, you know, talking yep. about tap. So let's go on to this question from Captain Americano. He says, "Hook on from Nicaragua, Nicaragua." Uh, Never been chances- there. I'd love to go. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> what are the chances we see more of young players like Tap, Mo Blackwell, and Derek Williams against Kansas and OU? I think depth could be our hidden superpower. I think Derek Williams is going to keep playing more and more because he's just different. He. He's just different in cornerback feet in a 6'2", 195-pound safety frame. Uh, he, I, I, I'm not saying he sees the game on a Jalen Catalan level. Not many people do. But for a guy that wasn't an early enrollee, he sure is seeing things pretty well for a true freshman. 
Um, he's going to be scary in the future. All right, then we have this next question here. Um, and we're going to talk about Kansas for a little bit. Bobby Brown says, how does te- the Texas offense match up against the Kansas defense? So here's my take on that. Kansas has an opportunistic defense right now, guys. Uh, they have a secondary uh, that likes to take the ball away, uh, led by Kenny Logan. Uh, they also have Kobe Bryant. They've got a new guy named O.J. Burroughs that really likes to hit you. Um, they've got a good cover corner. They have a good secondary. Is it a great secondary? Uh, uh, Kwame Lasseter is in that group too. Do they have a great secondary? I don't know, but they're experienced, smart, high football IQ. Okay. They're going to make that interception that, uh, Wyoming didn't, for example, against Quinn Ewers. So they're more opportunistic. Um, the real judge, will be, and Jerry and I talked about this before we went on on air this morning, can Texas still run the ball when Kansas knows they're going to run the ball? Texas went up there and ran B. John Robinson, Jonathan Brooks, down their throat last year, right? Everybody remembers the move that that, uh, B. John Robinson had that had Quinn Years putting his hands up on his head after he made that one move. Uh, The the long run from uh, Jonathan Brooks in that game as well after contact. They have improved against the run. They, they went out through the portal uh, and through development have improved against the run. They made Keaton Slovis, the BYU quarterback, become a one. Uh, they made the BYU offense become one dimensional, throwing the ball. If they can do that to Texas, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting game because then it's a shootout between Quinn Ewers and Jalen Daniels. And Jalen Daniels has the experience. Right. Um, so if. I expect them to sell out to stop the run against Texas and then make, make Quinn Ewers beat them. Two things is it, the only way Kansas can sit in a, in a deep zone against Texas is if they can stop the run without a loaded box, right? I don't yeah. think they're going to be able to. Um, I, I, I watch them BYU. Look, and the other thing, somebody made a good point. BYU's tight ends were wide open in that game. Um and that's a good sign for Texas because uh, you, you know Sark's going to uh, scheme to get those guys in space. And uh, Jatavion Sanders in space is different than the BYU tight ends in space uh, that made first downs and kind of fell forward. That's not what JT Sanders is going to do. Um, so I, I, the key for me is watching KU defensively is I just don't – they didn't get a lot of pressure on Slovis without bringing numbers. What they did was they brought the slot – um, defensive back safety nickel guy on blitz multiple times against BYU. Uh, and obviously that's on tape. That won't catch Texas off guard. Uh, that's where Kansas brought some pressure against Slovis in that game. But I don't think they're going to be – if the Texas offensive line plays at a high level Saturday, I think Kansas is going to have a tough time. And now let's follow that question up with this one. Randy Bovandy says, how does Texas match up on the offensive and defensive line well i think it's another one where they have an advantage bobby i mean i think they have an advantage on both lines if they you know they play disciplined football and pass protection uh on the offensive line um on defensive line i think kansas i think jalen daniels is interesting because he's more like a running back with his vision or jalen milrose just a freaky athlete that's going to take off and get around the edge daniels is almost like a running back and he's going to be patient and kind of weave so you have to be disciplined in your rush lanes, but I think Texas has a huge advantage up front. This would be my take on that. 
So having listened to Lance Leopold uh, at the Big 12 Media Days, he likes his offensive line. So at some level, he thinks this may be strength on strength. Um, their offensive line, he thinks, goes seven deep now, much better than what it was when he got there. Not unlike Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive line now for Texas, much better than when he got there. Um, is it to that level, and can it stay up with the Texas defensive line? I don't know that no one else has proven that they can stay up with the Texas defensive line at this point. So I don't know why Kansas necessarily would be any different unless they try to attack Texas and have success on the perimeter. And and, and uh, Kansas does have players on the perimeter. Devin Neal can get it and go. Um, Darren Henshaw, the, the, the other running back, is a power guy that can still get outside. Uh, they've got some other uh, players in, in the, the Arnold. Lawrence Arnold is another guy. So they've got pieces to the puzzle on offense. That's This is really offense. How many points do we think KU can score and needs to score to win this game? If it's 35, I, I think Texas wins. If it's, if it's 24 or 27, that's a different story. Uh, what what uh, Kansas did, too, Devin Neal was in motion. Law jet sweep stuff with him, oh, right? Yeah. yeah, so they use him in different ways. Kansas runs – they're going to run a lot of inside counter stuff, but they're going to fake counter and run option off of that. So Texas is going to have to – they're going to see something they haven't seen all season in, in that regard. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I could see them – I could see them having some success early just while Texas adjusts to something they haven't seen before. Uh, but, again, my key is is – Kansas, can they do? The, are they going to have enough time in the pocket to the, the, the run developing pass plays to attack uh, Texas? Where I think you can attack, attack attack Texas. I I tend to think they aren't unless they to Bobby's point those those the option plays unless they can start spreading Texas out horizontally a little bit more. Um, I think I, I think they're going to have it tough. That's where guys like Tap and Burke really help Texas because they have quickness and length. And then they have more quickness and more length than most Big 12 teams have to, to defend outside. All right, y'all, we got a super chat here. Another one from Damon. Thank you again, Damon. He says, this is a matchup nightmare for Kansas. What am I missing? Line of scrimmage on both sides heavily favors us. Jalen will be scrambling for his life. I go back to this. Texas hasn't played a really good game at home. I mean, that, that, I mean Texas needs to come with a road effort at home this week because this is the best team they've played on their home field this year. Um, and they were in a game in, in the fourth quarter against Wyoming that they shouldn't have been in a game with. So that can happen again. I think if Texas brings their road game home, then I think I, 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 I can understand why the line's where it's at. Well, let's follow that up with this to your point, Jerry. Russell Hinkle says, Quinn seems like he may be a better road slash neutral site player. Do you all agree? I actually do. As of right now, he is. Jerry, you have a theory on this. I've said I've said this before, but um, look, I, I think um, playing quarterback at Texas is uh, is a little different. Um, and I and I always take it back for a Texas fan. It's like for 10 years, every golf swing Tiger Woods made. It, man, it was broken down on Golf Channel, on social media. Every single thing he did on a golf course was broke down. This is what he did good. This is what he did bad. They're talking about the best golfer a lot of us have seen in our lifetime. The Texas quarterback's the same way. I mean, every step he takes is broken down. 
Um, and I think there's a different pressure that comes with that. I think it's it's a lot easier to be more comfortable when you play on the road and play neutral home sometimes. All right, there you go. Okay, this next question here, guys, is uh, and I told them I would ask it. I got to find what I did with it. Ted Pair wants to know, Jerry, how about AC making Jet Bush look like JJ Watt <laughs> chasing people down? I was going to let Bobby address this one. Bobby brought this one up. Um, Jet Bush got the sack, and, and in the box score, he gets the sack, and Jet Bush was in the right place, right? But a, a Alfred Collins pushing that Baylor guard back so quickly made the puller trip and fall. So Alfred Collins doesn't get half a sack in the box score, but on tape, when Texas staff reviews the tape, he gets credit for half a sack. Oh, he'll get a credit for the whole sack. <laughs> I, I'm just going to be, I mean, because he literally allowed his push of that offensive tackle into the puller completely. It didn't allow the, the puller to even touch Jet Bush and to come completely free. It looked like, in fact, that Baylor had just mis, misguided the play. But no, Alfred Collins' initial push uh, is what did it. Um, look, I, I think Jet Bush, we've talked about this, is a solid player. That's my take on it. Um, and he's been a solid backup level player for Texas for a long time. He is now even more experienced. We, we talk about the thing that the Texas defense has today that it didn't have last year and certainly didn't have two years ago. Now they're, they, they have more IQ and experience on the field than ever before since we've been the last several years here, Jerry. They also have more talent, Okay. But you add in that understanding and confidence level that they've got right now. Uh, I love what they're doing in that regard. I absolutely love it. So uh, this Texas defense is playing with a lot of confidence. They have a lot of ability. That comes from experience and success. And Jet Bush is part of that. Uh, I, I really believe that because if Jalen Ford has to go out, if they want to start off in a four, true 4-3 like they did against Baylor, right, and take Jade Barron off the field. They have solutions for that. They have ideas of what they want to do, and it gives Pete Kwiatkowski – we talked with, with Rod Babers about this last night. Pete Kwiatkowski is not just running one style of defense every game or even every series. He's switching it up to keep the opposing offensive coordinator a little guessy, and that's what you can do when you have that much talent and that much depth. You can play Alfred Collins at end sometimes – and at defensive tackle at others. You yeah. can you can play a true 4-3 or not. I, I just I, I think that that Kwiatkowski is doing a really good job of mixing things up right now. And speaking uh, of by the way, comments. by the way, Blake, we've had some comments, and I grew with these comments. Jalen Cavallon, Jade Barron, big games coming up for them Saturday against Kansas. Big yeah. games against Kansas. I think it's gonna be a big game uh, also for David Benda. And I'll say this, they can't, you can't lose track of the, the uh, tight ends in coverage against Kansas. And David Benda is going to be – David Benda and or Anthony Hill going to be tasked with that quite a bit. I, I'm going to throw one more out there, Blake. Okay. I won't be shocked if Jalen Ford doesn't have an interception Saturday. I think, think Jalen Daniels is a very good college football player quarterback. And he's got really good instincts. I think he's a really good player. But when I say he drops the ball below the water, now this guy drops the ball to his hip in his windup. 
And as much film as Jalen Ford watches, you know when Jalen Daniels is about to throw a football because he has a wind-up. It's not going to shock me if Ford doesn't have an interception Saturday. Well, that's going to bring me to this question then from David Parcell. He says, does Jalen Ford have a big wingspan? Is that why he keeps getting all the interceptions? He does, um, but it's not why. A lot of yeah. a lot of linebackers have big wingspans. They don't have you know six interceptions in the last year of football. I mean, so uh, it, it's it, it's intelligence. It's understanding the passing lanes. Uh, yeah. It's film study. It's getting depth. I mean, he gets depth, guys. Like it didn't show up against Baylor. That wasn't really about depth, but. The, the interception against, what was it, Rice? That was, I mean, that was 20 yards downfield for a linebacker that started off five yards off the ball. I kind of I kind of define it like this in Jalen Ford in coverage. He's like a quarterback or point guard where the game moves really slow in his peripheral and in everything crossing his face. Things cross his face, he doesn't get jumpy. He, he doesn't get... Uh, I don't want to say panicky with his feet. It's not a panic situation. He doesn't get jumpy, though. The game, for whatever reason, it may be film study. Instincts combined with film study. But things moving in his peripheral don't really affect him. The game for him. That's the only way you pick that many balls off in coverage. Uh, Jerry, a second ago, you were talking about Catalan. You were talking about Coach K mixing things up. So we've had lots of questions regarding this. Hookham from Virginia says, any thoughts on the safety rotation against Baylor? Sorry if the question was asked. Wasn't a fan of seeing the safety rotation with the drop-off in coverage when Taft was in the game. What do you all think about what happened on Saturday? Um, look, I, I think that I think that running a corner blitz and asking Michael Taft to be man-on-man with a receiver up up the sideline is probably not the smartest use of, of Michael Taft. I'm just going to say that. So I I don't think I, Texas sometimes with their safeties have treated them all as equal, and they're not all equal. They they all have certain things they do better than others. Uh, Taft is actually pretty good on managing the underneath stuff, not real good on the man to man stuff. So when he's in zone, he's actually pretty pretty smart. When he's in man, he's outmatched too often. That's the problem. Um, and so you can't you can't ask him to do that as much maybe as what Texas has asked him to do. They asked him to do it a few times, and, and Texas got beat because of it in part. One one a pi and one a ball that he couldn't get over the top of uh, to help Ryan Watts out. All right, let's go to the other side of the ball and talk about the offense for a minute. Russell Hinkle says, is Sark throwing another wrinkle on the offense and giving Big 12 opponents something else to try to scheme for by adding Gunnar Helm to the action? Will we see him more moving forward? I, I, I'm not sure it's anything, any wrinkles. I, I think this, though. Um, I think taking what the defense gives you because you have more weapons uh, makes it a defensive coordinator's job tougher. You're not you're not forcing situations. Um, you, you say, okay, if you're going to play us this way, this is what we're going to do because we have multiple guys at all these spots. That's when you get really tough to defend um, in my estimation. And, and I'll say this. Um, here's the thing, too, is 
Sark wants to stretch the field vertically all the time. That doesn't mean the ball has to be thrown vertically, but he wants to put pressure on the defense vertically. The more he can do that consistently with the, the, your outside athletes and those receivers that a coordinator says, yeah, they can get us deep. Even if the ball's not thrown deep, it opens everything else up for those guys. It puts them in favorable matchups. So I think you're seeing some of Sark's plans start to come together because he has more weapons on the outside this year. And those guys making plays against Bama, they don't have to make plays every game like that. But by them putting them on the board against Bama, it, it's a little bit different game how uh, these D coordinators look at you. Dave Aranda said as much in his pregame press conference, his Monday press conference last week. He said last year they had one guy. This year they have multiple guys at receiver, and that changes the way we look at them and have to play them. I, I would say this, that third and 15, that, that go route to Jonte Cook up the seam, that, that shows you uh, what Texas can do differently right now uh, in the passing game. Uh, that was a beautiful throw by Quinn. If he's even, he's leaving. Uh I, I felt like that was just a a symbol of what Texas and, and Steve Sarkeesian is putting on film. You mentioned getting Gunner Gunner Helm involved too. I, I think that that they've got so many weapons right now. They really do. I mean, Xavier Worthy only caught three balls on Saturday, right? But was his presence felt in that game? Absolutely. Um, and so I look at it, and I I'm uh, I'm impressed with what Texas and Steve Sarkeesian did on offense against Baylor. They, they really pretty much did everything well. They ran the ball well. They threw the ball well. It was a complete offensive performance. The only thing they maybe didn't do as well as you'd hope is pass protect, three sacks. All right, y'all. We started with recruiting, so let's wrap it up with a couple of recruiting questions, and then we'll get out of here. This very first one here is uh, from Vivek B. And he says, do you see Brandon Baker having a legit shot at right tackle next year? It seems Cam would have that locked up. Well, I, I think here's the thing with Brandon Baker. Pass protection-wise, I think he's going to come in and compete. Um, the question with young offensive linemen is always, "Are you? what are you going to do in the run game? Are you going to have enough push? Are you strong enough? to compete now going into the SEC as a true freshman in the run game. I think he'll be fine in pass protection. He's played at a high level. He's been coached well. He goes against really good athletes every day in practice, more so than even in a game. I think that helps him make that transition. But, again, with Brandon Baker, it's going to come down to are you getting pushed in the run game. He's two years behind where Cam Williams is. Um, but if he makes gains there, because I do think all linemen when they come in, or 95% of linemen, they have to make gains in the run game. They have to learn how to be a little bit more physical on contact, run those feet a little bit longer, hold those blocks a little bit longer. If he answers that bell, then, yeah, he'll compete right away. If not, I think you'll see him transition as a, as a backup and then get ready to really compete for that job a year out. I, I want to say this about uh, him. He's got great feet. Yes. So that that is a positive that you can't uh, compete with. The one thing about Cam Williams, I, I watched him quite a bit, actually, uh, on the rewatch yesterday. He came in for Christian Jones, who went to the sideline vomiting uh, during the middle of a drive. Cam Williams, uh, he ran somebody 15 yards downfield on one block yeah. and heard the whistle and pulled up. Otherwise, that guy would have ended up in the stands, a la Michael Orr, just throwing him over the fence. He, he, he had locked on, and that guy was, was backpedaling as fast as he could and couldn't do anything about it. 
if you line up next to DJ Campbell next year, you have no choice but to block through the whistle. Okay? <laughs> because if you don't, he's going to look at you and probably punch you in the stomach. <laughs> All right, Jay. <laughs> next question here from David Rawls. Uh, and I'm, I know you kind of touched on it at the beginning, but let's do it again. Uh, he says, with Auburn crashing, does the chances with Baker improve? I'm pretty sure he meant DeAndre Carter. Yeah, yeah, DeAndre Carter. I mean, I mean, Auburn had 99 yards late in the third quarter against an AM team that gave up a zillion at Miami. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I think the biggest thing here is Texas just staying on DeAndre Carter. Again, staying on your guys, re recruit through the whistle with these guys, let these seasons play out. Um, we'll see on DeAndre Carter. Look, he committed to Auburn for a reason. Um, this weekend, Texas will have their shot at that. Um, I do know that him and his family really liked the Austin visit in January, but he didn't make the June official visit. That's always been scheduled out for September 30th. So uh, with Brandon Baker committed, with Jordan Davis and Marcus Harris being leans, I mean, I, um, I there's a lot of positive things at modern day, but that doesn't mean you're just going to get the kid because he may see an easier path to the field at Auburn for the reasons that Texas fans would say why, why, why you should flip from Auburn. He may see an easier path to the field, and that may appeal to him playing in the SEC for a coach that will eventually have a better program. Maybe he sees himself with a chance to start there in his own eyes. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens after this weekend. Uh, but I really think that's um, that will be big in his decision is, is he, is he going to be okay with having a little patience at Texas versus maybe thinking he's got a better opportunity to play early at Auburn? I will do one more recruiting question before we get to the final question of the day. Joseph Diaz wants to put you on the spot, Jerry. He says, when's that next commitment? <laughs> <laughs> Man, if only, if, if only I could, if only I could say that for sure. Um, I do think guys moved off timelines. Um, I, I'm interested to see if Solomon Williams comes in this week uh, for his official visit this weekend for the Kansas game. Uh, I, I think there's some things playing out uh, for Texas right now. Um, you know, Week of the OU game, right after the Oklahoma game, something wouldn't surprise me. All right, y'all. Final question for the day. You know, I always say the one of the last for the or the best for last. I'm sorry. Stevie McClinton says, How many Texas players are top five at their position in college football right now? Sanders, Banks, any others? What do y'all think? Ford and really Baron. Yeah. Maybe worthy. Sanborn. Oh, yeah. Sanborn is like, uh, I don't know the number. I don't know that he has enough. I, I got to go back and look at that. But he wasn't top five when I looked because, but he's averaging like 47 a, a pop right now. But the, the whole country is up right now. I got to go back and look. But uh, maybe Sanborn too, Jerry, to your point. But, but Jade Barron, Jalen Ford, I would definitely put in that category. Uh, Jade for nickel, Jalen for middle linebacker. Um, I would definitely look at, Xavier Worthy, although I would say this, he will draft higher than his production shows uh, because teams pay so much attention to him. I would say this, crazy one, but Keaton Crawford's a top five in college football, and that stuff does matter, right? I yeah. mean, so they, they have some guys in special teams, uh, not the guys catching footballs last week, but the guys covering them <laughs> that um, have played like top five at their position. Yeah, good good notice. Hey, I, I just think it's a big – this is a, a big weekend for Texas. Uh, this past weekend, uh, it felt like the team was playing up to its level. 
Then they get a commitment from a five-star. Now they're, they're going to host a 4-0 Kansas team uh, that Texas has been beat by before, right? Last time Kansas visited, Longhorns lost. Uh, and Jalen Daniels was the quarterback. Uh, so uh, people putting this one in the books because Texas is an, an X number uh, favorite over the Longhorns. Don't do it. Uh, get ready. And uh, for those of you guys not planning on being at the Kansas game, get your tickets. Go to go see the Longhorns. Uh, two four zero teams uh, playing uh, next Saturday afternoon. I believe the kickoffs at two thirty. Uh, Going to be a big one, uh, in my opinion. At Bevo Boulevard, three hours before the game. Team gets off the bus at the north end, two hours fifteen minutes before the game. We'll get into that later in the week. But if you're going out, get out there earlier. Uh, there's a reason to commit all, all the commits and all the targets talk so positively about Texas visits right now because the Texas fans are worried about, oh, what was the game against Wyoming? Recruits see it differently. What Del Conte and this university have done pregame, the game football experience for fans, for recruits when they come in, pretty high on the board right now around college football. So make sure and get in early and take it all in. I was going to say they also are impressed by the fans that come in early too. Yeah, it's not just what what Del Conte and those guys have done, but the actual yep. a large crowd excites them instead of playing in front of thirty thousand in Lubbock or whatever. Yeah, but, but it, you know the Big Twelve goes through Lubbock. So. <laughs> Before we leave, Bobby, it's the hub city. <laughs> I'm going to let you tell everybody what else is coming on on Texas football today. Yeah, absolutely. Lunch with the coach today around noon. Uh, myself and Brian Irwin, two-time state championship coach. Then Rod and Jerry come back with talking ball this afternoon. I think they're going to look at uh, some of the top players committed to the Longhorns currently in recruits. Uh, that should be interesting. Uh, we also want to say thank you to our sponsor. Uh, that's John Donovan and the folks at Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Uh, give them a shout at 972-707-4900 or visit them at longhornwealth.net. Uh, John and his group uh, are committed to helping Longhorn alums, employees, family, and friends uh, reach their prosperity goals. Uh, thank you so much, John, for your sponsorship. Uh, a 14-year member, I believe, uh, on the board of the Dallas, Texas Exes. Okay, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Coffee and Football. Uh, as Bobby said, we want to thank Longhorn Wealth Management Group. Thank all of you for tuning in. Thank you for the Super Chats. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe button. We would definitely appreciate it. Ring the bell so you're notified anytime a video is posted on On Texas Football. And for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Welcome. <laughs>